Hello and welcome to Above Idol episode, I'm going to say 18. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, this is Adrian. I'm here with uh, Jose, per usual, but in a twist of fate, we've replaced Clay with uh, Corey from such adventures as writing in Argentina and, I don't know, writing other places, writing in Texas. Hi, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you if you thought Clay was a sarcastic son of a bitch, you're in for a special treat. <laughs> oh, so Jose, I, I believe I believe there's only one place to begin, as with so many shows before. Did you get a new bike? I did. I think I'm averaging a new bike every 3.2 episodes, <laughs> so I'm right on schedule. Right. This is why we space them out so much, is we're trying to keep his bike per show average up. What's, yep. what's the ratio of bikes you leave parked in a city you don't live in anymore? Uh, that's one-to-one. One. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly one-to-one. One. So. so what'd you get? All right. So because we are the hombres reales, I went with the Royal Enfield. It's a Royal Enfield Himalayan. New bike this year, 400cc single. And it's kind of like a mini adventure bike. Um, I actually got it at a Harley Davidson dealership. So as much shit as we've talked, I've, I've crossed over to the dark side and <laughs> shopped at the Harley Davidson dealership. But I got to give them a shout out because these guys are pretty, pretty dope. It's a paradise Harley in somewhere around Portland, some other small suburb. I don't remember, but it was super cool. The guy was super nice, gave me a full tour of the dealership, which they have a dyno, just like in the back garage with this huge vents for all the exhausts. It was super cool. Saw like all the maintenance sections that they got back there. The one thing that I thought was totally Harley is there's a chrome station. <laughs> so oh, as soon as you buy your bike, you go over to the chrome station and just like order like everything chrome. And so it's not, <laughs> it's not an accessories department. It's a chrome station. Yeah, I, and it, it had a, it had a silly name like Chrome Dome or something like that, but I don't, I don't remember. Is it um, by the uh, the Concho Dome, uh, Concho Bar? All you yeah. can eat conchos. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Is yeah, that how you really say cool. that? It's, it's a, so what's happening with the the Himalayans or the Royal Enfield is that some ex Harley dealership guy has become the importer and has just started pairing up with Harley dealers. Harley dealers. And I think it's like kind of good for Harley as well because people buying the Royal Enfield is not the same people I think generally buying the the Harleys. What? Um, no, it's like it's like a fourteen hundred pound bike versus a four hundred pound bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one cc and what's what's the what's the horsepower on this bad boy? I think it's clocking in at a solid twenty four. Something like that. Yeah. Be careful, you know, there, son. Um, so it's fuel injected, but cold starts like a carbureted bike. So it's the worst of both worlds. <laughs> Wait, and this, this one is made in India, right? Yeah. Made in India. It's got 21 inch front, 19, no, 18 inch back. Um, it really is kind of like a mini adventure bike and all the reviews were pretty solid on it. It's supposed to do pretty decent off-road. Not true off-road, but um, a lot lighter than a big KTM or something like that. But it's also super basic, like no ABS, no traction control, none of none of that stuff. It, it does have a compass on it. That's <laughs> a nice feature. 
What uh, can I ask a question? What what color leather helmet did you get to go with it? <laughs> it's it's a it's a very class classy white white helmet, but I, I can't wear it after Labor Day. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> right, it goes with your seersucker riding suit. Is it? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm seeing pictures of it. So the only Royal Enfield bike I've ever known is the whatever five thirty five cc cosplay bike that is sold everywhere which i always thought looked really cool and then i found out it couldn't really go anywhere but this looks like it could go places yeah this one this one goes places and it's got a i mean it's still cosplay don't get me wrong it's like an ugly beautiful bike that everybody stops to take pictures of um but you definitely gotta you gotta play the role you gotta play the british imperial imperial role right for sure wait can you tell me about this i'm looking at the photo and it has both on the front wheel, both a low fairing, like a street bike, and a high fairing, oh, it sure does. <laughs> like an off-road bike. How does that? Tell me about the. How does that work? I mean, is one wheel better than two? No, two fairings are better than one, man. Everybody knows. <laughs> if your bike doesn't have two fairings, you're a chump. I got gotcha. you. It's, <laughs> it's a double mud guard because you really don't want to get your, uh, you know, your sort of hunting outfit dirty on the way. You don't want to get mud on your pith helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, why, why do I come on this show? You guys just make fun of my new bike. No, man. I think this thing looks awesome. I think we we sat on one in uh, in Portugal, right? At that um, that when I was yeah. when I was returning the bike, the guy had one, and it was it was cool, man. It was like I I could definitely flat foot it, but it still felt somewhat substantial. And I could little, almost flat foot it. So there you go. The little like integrated rack stuff is cool, like up front. You're gonna get some yeah, more, like, actually it's super handy. Yeah. And then, like all of the racks on it are already, it's kind of nice because you usually just fit all of that aftermarket. Um, so that's really nice. It actually drives pretty fun. It's It definitely doesn't have a bunch of power. It's not that fast. Um, but it reminds me of the Suzuki TU250 that I had, which is was like, it's just a slightly bigger version of that and more off-road capable. And so it's super fun around town. I've taken it down some gravel roads and just like hop curbs all over the place. Yeah. Um, and it's like brand new, like 4,400 bucks. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh. Like, how is that possible? I don't know. It's yeah. It, I, it's I mean, maybe it falls apart after, after nine months. Yeah. Don't get it wet. Right. <laughs> yeah, <don't, laughs> oh man, Portland, I'm screwed. <laughs> the manual is only two pages. Like page one, do not get this bike wet. Page I mean, two. I, just, do I not feel like 4,400 bucks. Four forty four hundred bucks is like a great price to pay for something that you're gonna just park and leave in a city somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like a, uh, a bargain at that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna buy a bike to abandon, this is the one for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do they does does Royal Enfield make more than? So I know I don't remember the name of the kind of cafe ish other one. Yeah, it's like the bullet or something lame like that. Are there it's two? Like, is this make two out of their line, or are there like a bunch that I don't know about? Because the, the, the other one is basically different versions of a different bike. It's like a, they have like a what do you call it? like a, a hardtail looking one, cruiser sure. style, and then they have the cafe racer one. But this was like a completely different bike from that that line. So it's it's brand new and actually was a little bit hard to to find. Yeah, but, I think they're kind of in high demand because they definitely have sparked a lot of interest. And I think the people are obviously the 
the adventure market, as we'll talk about in a minute, has lost its goddamn mind. Um, but it's so expensive. I mean, they're you know these are typically big, expensive bikes to get into. So you see, like BMW has got the GS three hundred now. Um, who who else is I looking at? Versus the Kawasaki Versus has a three hundred. Yeah, yeah, the Versus has a little mini Versus now. So there's like definitely people trying to get down market and offer something that's got a twenty one inch front wheel that could theoretically poke around off road. You know, maybe not some hardcore rock hopping but you know just run a little dirt trail in the woods it actually doesn't take that much bike to run around off-road it's just real nice to have that 21 with a tire that's not complete crap i don't know i mean you've ridden uh a triumph bonneville uh, off-road before <laughs> <laughs> i did uh yeah i did test pilot oh thrusting sorry <laughs> much more off-road worthy right yeah um and and pretty much anything can go off off-road for between 10 and 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion if you're carrying speed off of tarmac yeah especially unplanned is the best way yeah no i mean i know we must have talked about this story before but i just remember going around a, a turn and having Corey take take over on the outside but the outside was like the dirt dirt on the side of the road i think i think in, in like radio land this would be called a reset but to reset <laughs> I I bought a, a Triumph Thruxton, and for my first, probably my first ride, maybe definitely my first group ride with the bike, we went on someone, followed by, uh, I followed someone on like a massive KTM that wanted to do all, all the roads. We, I, uh, we, we crossed a river at some point. <laughs> it's my first day on the bike. I was, I'm way too big for that bike so it looked like a labrador humping a football i would say was like the appropriate scale just to paint a picture and the football was a very very bright yellow yeah it was a tiny yes like it a was taxi cab that's why i got such a good deal on the thruxton and uh in addition to like the most dangerous ride i've ever taken including driving, riding by pavers in uh, Chile and Argentina <laughs> on the sides of cliffs, the Thruxton on like shitty Texas gravel roads was more, more terrifying, was the most dangerous ride I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> and I really, the, the thing off-road too, it has like an inch and a half suspension travel. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, it was a moment where I was like, I don't know if Court's ever ridden a motorcycle before. <laughs> so at one point, from behind, Jose's behind me, uh, it looks like I just, just cold decided to take a different route. Like everybody else is going kind of to the left, and I just... Which would be on road. I just had on a road, and I just decide to cruise through some thick brush... <laughs> For about, I don't know, 50 yards before <laughs> I decided while it was happening that steer, like trying to steer in any way or brake was a bad idea. So I just, I just sort of rode it, it out, it out yeah. came to, came to a gentle stop in a thicket. <laughs> in a briar? And, uh, Would you describe it as a briar? Uh, definitely lots of uh, thorny brush. And Jose I, thought I did it on purpose. It was I, that smooth. 
I handled it that well. I was like, this guy is gangster, man. It's <laughs> like, whatever. The dirty gangster. Yeah, I, I actually only stopped to check the compass on the bike. <laughs> which, it, it turns out, does not come stock. How, on how, thrusted. how well does the compass work in motion on the... Uh, uh, it's it's awful. <laughs> I mean, they added all these, like... It's almost like they tried to make it the inside of a World War II fighter plane. <laughs> like, all of these round gauges and Just stuff. Unnecessary, it's a, it's a like, rivets and uh, paintings of uh, buxom women. Uh, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. But overall, I mean, actually, I, I really love it. It's, it's, it is pretty fun uh, around town and what kind of also sold me on it is that online website ADV posted uh, as opposed to those printed websites. Yes, I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. Uh, uh, yeah, I could see your faces. They did a review where they just kind of torture tested it off road for three or four days and the muffler fell off. But other than that, it was in pretty good shape. I mean, so, yeah, you you can take. I mean, you can take a new theoretically dual sport bike and beat the crap out of it on some rocks, and some stuff's going to fall off. So that's not even necessarily a a huge point against it. I mean, what you worry about with a bike like that is that at the first time you really hit something, you're just going to crack the case open, and then the bike is dead, or you're going to just you know blow the seals off the forks the first time you go off like a two foot drop, or you know just that anytime you try something that is you know actually an off-road test that it's just dead in the water and now you got the spike out in the middle of the woods so it's it's a definite a confidence builder that those guys beat the shit out of it and, and like you said for the for the money it's a lot of bike for the money it's a lot of style for the money honestly too i don't really know a lot of bikes new in that price point that can't kind of have that much like like visual cred yeah and I, it's like right now i just take pictures of people taking pictures of my bike and send those to Adrian every time it happens. (laughs) It's your new art project. Yeah, exactly. So I would assume if you can, if you can flat foot it, uh, as a shorter statured people, a a shorter person. (laughs) Yeah. Tread lightly. Yeah. uh, What's your question? My question to believe that I was a mountain of a man. (laughs) (laughs) The jig is up. It's all audio. So, (laughs) Uh, I would assume that maybe it's a maybe it's a good first first bike for people that maybe don't want to get like a little, you know, dinky shadow or something. They might they might start with something like this. Yeah, I think it'd be great. And unlike the the shadow or TU two hundred and fifty, where you might get bored or you really don't want to be on the highway, this is docile enough and fun enough that um, you can keep it for a lot longer. And it does pretty good on the highway. You're not. You can you can cruise at a little below eighty. You're oh. certainly passing anybody, um, but it's it's pretty good for that. Yeah, that's decent. That's decent. Plus, it does have crash bars everywhere. <laughs> you will break that bike. So, yeah. so you're gonna yeah. If you drop the hell out of it, which you're gonna your first bike, then uh, you know no worries. You just replace the bike. Or your ninth bike, tenth bike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, bike I haven't dropped. You're never too old to stop dropping your bikes, as they yeah. say. Let's talk about something ridiculous for a minute. Uh, you know, we talk about motorcycles as maybe a primary vehicle. I think Jose, and many and many times you've uh, you've been kind of carless and and been pretty good at just being a guy on a bike. And you know, 
I like to ride as much as I can. And I also take my, my dog to work. Uh, so there's times in which, uh, I got to bring a dog on a motorcycle. I know Jose, I know you bring, bring your dogs on, on your bike. What's, what's, I mean, it's, it's a goofy thing, right? I mean, first of all, this is a myth. I've literally, you're the only person I've ever seen bring a dog on a motorcycle. Well, it's a fun Google search. If you go search like Google, like dogs in sidecars or dogs in top cases or dogs in backpacks on motorcycles, people have come up with all kinds of crazy contraptions. I remember Clay was saying when he was in, um, RIP, uh, when he was, uh, on top of a mountain, uh, hey, wait, he died? <laughs> yeah, why do you think we got Corey? Until yeah, until the next episode. I thought Clay Corey would sort of just uh, blend uh, in. Okay. Don't make a big welcome. deal out of this. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think he was when he was uh, like in the Alps. He had a, he sent me a very funny photo of a guy who had like taken his top case on his big touring rig and like cut a hole in the top of it and put a little uh, clear bubble. And he had some little dog that would ride in. There. <laughs> it was a Saint Bernard. <laughs> inside the top case it was he had, he had taken off its Cause legs it's the owls. yeah <laughs> but it did have a little whiskey flask right the barrel yeah um but yeah i don't know uh what's your strategy jose how do you how do you get your dogs around on the bike well well first you have to have a dog named fifi and as you can imagine that dog will weigh no more than three and a half pounds I so you can kind of put it wherever you want <laughs> <laughs> so i just used a tank bag and then would leave the tank bag <laughs> and then the dog would stick out of it. I'm assuming you zip that completely shut with Fifi inside of it? Or? Uh, just, you got to leave a neck hole, man. Oh, all right. <laughs> just, <laughs> the thing is, is that you'll pull up next to somebody, they'll kind of casually glance at you and then look away and then look back and just be incredibly pleasantly surprised to right. see a tiny Maltese sticking their head out of this motorcycle. It's so, probably a, a similar feeling uh, as when I saw a homeless man in a coffee shop and realized he had like five or six gerbils <laughs> <laughs> hidden on his person. Oh man! Now when you put it that way, I'm, I'm, I'm less impressed with. with We're me. just like, oh, it's, yeah. There's more to this than I thought at first glance. I remember I, I snuck Fifi into ACL. And by snuck, she was just in my backpack. And, you know, they search your bag for <laughs> drinks, food, whatever. Yeah. And I just casually told the guy, I was like, be careful. There's a tiny dog in there. <laughs> and he didn't really believe me. And then when there was a tiny dog, he freaked out. <laughs> he just was like, go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you weren't supposed to have dogs. <laughs> are there, are there Meanwhile, this, this tiny little dog is sitting on top of a switchblade and a pound of heroin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a guard dog. Tiny Coke mule for the festival uh yeah so you've done the little you your dogs are tiny that, that makes it easy my dog's not big but at 22 pounds a little too big for uh yeah. a small tank bag so i did a lot of i did a lot of looking on the internets the digital internets that are online jose you find some good websites on there you can... <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could fax those over to me I'd i will take a look i will let me do a photocopy of it and then i'll fax it over to you um yeah <laughs> I did a lot of research, a lot of looking. There's some interesting styles. I feel there's a couple of styles. There's one is like the full on cage where you're like, that's just a dog cage on right. your bike. That's like bungeeing a kennel. Yes. That's, to your rear, the rear of your bike. Yeah. That's one style. Another style would be sort of like the, um, 
like the the wastebasket, the plastic wastebasket style. They dress them up, they make them look nice, but it's sort of like the idea would be the dog would have its paws on the on the rim and its head peeking out and be living that lifestyle. Seems sure. a little reckless. Seems like a, a, a milk crate? Is that a popular? Yeah. Depending on the dog size? Yeah, if it's a St. Bernard, you could do a milk crate. And then the style that I have is more like a proper, uh, it's not a hard box, but it's like a stiff, you know, textile good with a lid. And it's got a little uh, tie down on the inside. And then it's got a little like head pokey hole. Oh, I never knew. I never knew your dog scout was tied down in there. I just assumed she was free. Well trained. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's not really die. good at not dying. Um, but no, it's a, yeah, I think she, I think she's okay with it. I checked the rear view mirror. I, what, what I really want to do is put a GoPro on my backpack and like film her to make sure she's not completely losing her shit back there. <laughs> but like she loves sticking her head out the window. This seems to me like it would be the ultimate dog window. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the looks you get are awesome. I will say like, I've gotten a lot of like thumbs up and smiles. A couple of people look at me like, wow, that's really yeah. irresponsible. No helmet, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten a couple of those. Uh, I tried to get her some doggles. Mm. The, uh, the dog goggle that did try to yeah. get those on a dog. I put it together. I put it together. <laughs> <laughs> it's a website on the internet about dog goggles. <laughs> Uh, all right, enough of that. Let's talk about something truly ridiculous. Let's talk about Harley making an adventure bike. So we got the Himalaya. We got all these small adventure bikes. Everyone's chasing this category, right? This is this is the thing. This is the thing. Uh, I believe it was ADV Pulse did a story. They have some images. I don't think I. I don't know if these are artist renderings or if these are actually from Harley. It wasn't very clear to me in the article if these images are real. Um, yeah, I think this is the, I think the the <clears throat> bike, it's the same bike that was hidden underneath the helicopter from Airwolf. <laughs> oh God, I remember that toy. That was such toy. Yeah, it just, you can launch it from the back while flying. The, the front headlight looks like this was made in Russia. Ironically, the most American of bike brands. That looks super Russian. I was gonna say like like robotic catfish. Right. Yeah, a big wide mouth light channel. Mm. Or like a sea ray. Uh-huh. If you clipped a sea ray's wings and made it into a motorcycle. It makes it look incredibly wide in the front. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is the motorcycle that killed Steve Irwin. <laughs> Uh, all right. No so offense. here's what here's what we know. 2020-ish, Harley is going to launch this thing. Uh, they're calling it like the Pan America, which could be a Panhead reference, could be like the Pan American Highway. Uh, it looks very much like a large, you know, whether it be uh, the Big Tiger or the GS1200 or the you know big KTM super adventure or whatever they call it. You know, it looks like a giant ass, you know, mm. 600 pound, um, you know, adventure bike that will probably spend most of its life on pavement. Uh, I would be so fucking terrified to have this thing fall on me. Oh, I mean, it's a little bit like uh, Ducati's 
attempt at dual sport where it's just like, are you really going to take this off road? Yes, a professional badass rider will, but yeah, that jumps the, like even me. For the video, right? For the marketing video, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be a V-twin. No surprise there in Harley Land. Um, and that's nothing, you know, that's a totally reasonable engine platform for, you know, in theory, it's a sort of narrow platform. Doesn't look like it in these renderings. Again, I don't know if these are real. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's very interesting, right? Harley's had, what, like 6% decline in sales last year, 8% the year before. Like, you know, they, they got hit really hard uh, during the recession, much like everyone else did. But people like uh, BMW, KTM especially, um, you know, these guys are kind of coming back strong and claiming more market share and actually having growth years. And Harley's just continuing to lose it. And, you know, it's like the, the boomers who really love the Harley bikes, the Harley lifestyle, who are, you know, willing to find $30,000 to buy, a you know, Mega Glide or I don't, I don't know the names of the Harleys very well. Super Mega Glide. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking. Super Mega, Mega Glide. Uh, it's the Harley Astro Glide. It's the one you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, those guys are getting to be. Try to start off nice to Harley people. But it happens every time. No, that it was just a convenient joke. It has nothing to do with the the different models. The of geriatric Harley. nature of them. I did get. I'm still a little bitter for getting yelled at when I picked up my BMW adventure bike from the Harley dealership and had literally a crowd of people chanting "No BMWs." Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, that's because okay. they still remember and respect WW2, man. Well, <laughs> so this, yeah, so this new Harley bike is part part bomber. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's, you know, Harley's got to find something, right? They got to find a new audience. And I think actually if you've been looking at their marketing materials of late, they're definitely trying to skew things a lot younger. It's a lot more of this sort of rebel without a cause looking stuff. They're doing all this like, you know, I, I'm a I'm a graphic designer by training. Like, it's a lot of this like really vintage era stuff. This like classic '70s Americana. This like nostalgia that like 30 year olds don't have. You know, <laughs> this invented nostalgia. Right. You know, it's the same people who are getting into records now who never had records as a kid. And yeah, and I thought they were doing. I I thought to get after that younger market stuff like the the variations on the Sportster, like the low sixty six or yeah whatever those were would be better because this also I don't know if we know anything about price point yet, but it looks more than an entry level. Oh yeah, I, I think this is the hedging the bets on the high end, right? This is the guy who's like, oh well, I had you know X big ass Harley. But then all my friends now have switched to like GSs or, you know, KTMs. And like, that's, that's what we're doing now when we go right across the country. Sure. And we want to all be sort of in matching regalia. Yeah. So I think that's who this is for a, a sale that might've gotten lost to somebody switching, switching modes to an adventure, but just in general, I mean, and, and they mentioned in this article as well, the live wire um, and maybe an electric bike actually launching from Harley. And I thought when they debuted that thing earlier and they were taking it around and showing it off, we saw it at the um, at the MotoGP here in Austin at the Circuit of Americas. That thing looked fucking badass. That was like the first 
of you know Harley I had seen that I was like lustworthy to me. An electric Harley you yeah. saw. Yes. I didn't know this existed. Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, it does look good. I just don't think they're pre prepared to go so far off of their bread and butter. All right, so, we are uh, we are fully we're full team now. We got <clears throat> Mr. Clay back in the house. Welcome back. Clay is actually my first name. Yeah, we thought. I feel bad that we thought you were dead, um, and we were just going to carry on with your replacement. Nope, I'm actually alive. Yeah, so apologies for that. Mm. But we're super glad you're alive. I, I don't believe you. Okay. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> uh, anyway, just wrapping up here on this Harley uh, ADV. Young people need to like Harleys again scenario. Uh, ugly bike. Right? Yeah, ugly. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Clay. Yeah, you. <laughs> what's what's your animal analogy for this bike? We've all taken a shot at it. Uh, warthog. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. This uh, this comes with a, a Cobra Commander figure <laughs> packaged with it. It I, does look a little GI Joe, not in a bad. Like I like that part of it. Here's the question: What if you could buy one for half price? What's half price? Half whatever they're asking for. <laughs> <laughs> Would so, you do that? Assuming it's like eighteen five. Sure. Still too much. And uh, the math to divide that in two is nearly impossible. I don't do right. line division. Yeah, so it's, let's just it's somewhere around two thousand dollars. <laughs> Would I have one? Sure. Yeah, I'd have one for eight no, I wouldn't. No, no you not for eight thousand. No. no. You would yeah. I don't even know that you would have one for five grand. Hmm. I I would if it came with an M60 mounted on it somewhere. It goes against the whole ethos that they've been building up for so long. Like, there's nothing, there's no off-road in the Harley DNA anymore. No. They're, no. they're really trying hard on this one. Yeah. But, I mean, they got to do something. They got to do something. I think, I think the route of making cool bikes for younger kids that are more affordable and breeding them back into the family and doing what they do well, which is Americana and V twins and like, but doing that hip and like a little more rugged and rough and ride and like a little lower price point and more customization. I, I feel like they were going that route. They just gotta, mm, they yeah. gotta stay on it anyway. Well, for the, for the price of this thing, we could each buy ourselves a Royal Enfield Himalayan yeah we could get four of those maybe even one to spare yeah all right but i don't know why why harley doesn't try and like well now they have infield in their dealerships but like why do why don't really? they make a like a 400 pound bike right and be same same kind of thing just do that i think that would sell more than this catfish warthog <laughs> no airwolf machine <laughs> I say there ain't no American steel. Catfish is good. Who said catfish? We have catfish and uh, stingray. Yeah, man, man, a wingless manta ray. A wingless manta ray. <laughs> Corey earlier said this bike killed Steve Irwin. That's messed up. He's a dark. He's a dark, dark man. This is a dark man. It's a dark, dark man. Let's shift gears for a minute here. Motorcycle media, right? Mostly we probably get our moto news from the interwebs these days, I would assume, from internet websites. 
Um, do you guys actually, do you guys read anything printed in the world of motorcycling? Have you bought a motorcycle book? Have you read a magazine? Have you bought one in the airport? What's, mm. what do you, where do you, where do you turn? I have books. Yeah. I, I have some books that I occasionally crack open. We are in, in our company book club. And the next book up is, uh, motorcycle maintenance Zen. What is it? Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance? Zen yeah. and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that, as far as magazines, I feel like, I don't know how those magazines are still in business because they're not in airports anymore. I don't really see cycle world or what's the other one? Motorcyclist. Yeah. I don't even see them on shelves anymore. So, well, I'll tell you, um, I, I, I subscribe to all these things uh, just because I want to get things, physical things. I like physical things. But Adrian is a hoarder, by the way. You should see his apartment <laughs> is stacked to the ceiling with old motorcycle magazines. I'd appreciate it if you don't touch those. Thank you. So mainly you buy magazines to bury your cats with. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, cats need homes. <laughs> there are seven cats that Adrian uh, cannot account for at this point. Yeah. Frisky? Handlebar? The number of dead bikes that I have. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, well, I think the model is interesting. I think it's shifting. Like, um, I, I have you guys heard of Iron and Air? Have you guys seen that magazine? Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's just a quarterly. It's borderline a book. I mean, it is really lovely and it's it's publication. They work with a really nice printer. They do cool stuff. It's expensive, but um, it's a thing you want to keep. It's not like mm -hmm. the articles aren't like, here's the review of the latest bike. I mean, that's the problem. I think that's the problem that like Cycle Gear and Cycle World are facing. Or not Cycle Gear. What is it? Whatever. They're just shills to the manufacturers. Right. They're, they're like a car and driver, a road and track. They're just sort of stuck being like, here's the latest thing and here's what we think of it. And like the internet's much better at that than any print periodical could ever be of saying, here's the latest thing and here's what people think of it. Right. So it's like, these guys got to branch out. And I really, uh, I, I, I'd encourage people to check out uh, Iron and Air. I think it's a really cool thing, but it's interesting. Now you see people chasing that model. So cycle world uh, has gone to, I think it's gone to quarterly and they've gone to a much thicker stock, a heavier page weight, less ads more like a premium experience a pre mm, they're upgrading mm. oh, hold on I, I just wanted to make a, a gut check here we're not on this podcast being like here's the latest thing here's what we think about it are we no <laughs> no 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 okay. no no yeah you got a lot of balls jose <laughs> you know, we're, we're telling stories that endure time Okay. All right. All right. You guys need to be closer to the microphones. I, I have seen um, some some heirloom quality, um, almost you know hipster hipster bike quarter sized. Like you can't tell if they're reprints from the '60s or if someone is making them now. That that seem worth keeping because they're fairly unique. This actually Iron Air looks like. A modern publication that is made very nice. What's the, what's the subscription price quarterly for something like this? Uh, I think that one's like maybe thirty bucks a year, and you get four issues or something like that. That seems like a total bargain for this. This is a book quality item. Yeah, I mean it's it's a really nice piece. I mean I think it's for me it's about like 
Do we want to be in a world where there's very little media for us to consume about motorcycles? I mean, the internet's great, right? And it's sort of Instagram's a never ending feed of beautifully customized bikes, but like, I like a good article. I mean, one of the reasons we even started podcasting was because there were only a handful of motorcycle podcasts at the time. And, you know, I felt like it'd be great to contribute to, to that world. All right. Now, now these we, guys are just reading. We were analysis. definitely like, we can't be as terrible as these three guys, can we? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out we're worse. It's good to yeah. set a baseline. Yeah. So we really screwed that one up. Yeah. Uh, Anything doing. Anyway. It sounds like none of you people know how to read. So well, what can, I'm going to do is recommend you check out. I can tell you that in January 1982, David Bailey stood in an airport hangar next to a wooden shipping crate, anxiously waiting to see what was inside. Shall I continue? Yeah. This is actually the new theme for our podcast. We're just going to read you these magazines. <laughs> Until it's we get It's basically a free subscription to Cycle World, yeah, y'all. We'll, we'll describe the pictures to you. This one looks like a jellyfish. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna keep getting more and more awful until you people listen to us. <laughs> I think uh, is it next week you're doing a full hour long how to on how to approach a magazine and how does it even work? Does anyone know? <laughs> how do you know the difference between a magazine and a pamphlet? I, I think Five, ten it, fifteen steps it. to understanding the difference. Uh, is this a BuzzFeed article or? Once we get to 5,000 listeners, we'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown, ladies and gentlemen. This is reverse crowdfunding. If you get all your friends to listen, we promise we'll shut up. This is crowd defunding. <laughs> That's it. The, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Um, I will actually say again, um, it looks like this past month we've managed to pick up quite a few listeners i don't know where these people are coming from and i Hi, don't mom. know why <laughs> oh thanks mom um all right let's, let's give a shout out to uh, all the inmates at travis <laughs> county penitentiary thanks guys <laughs> sorry about the uh the harley stuff <laughs> <laughs> to talk a little bit about uh, distance riding and, and by distance riding I don't mean like casual cross-country touring or going on the the you know weekend trip with your pals uh, but distance riding I specifically mean you need to get a di you need to get somewhere just like covering ground quickly right covering it it happens right mm -hmm. we don't want it to happen we'd rather always take the pretty route yeah. we'd rather take the good roads but there are times where maybe you're going to go, you know, back to Austin very quickly from Big Bend because your bike uh, stops starting and you get it started once. And then you say, you know what, guys, I'm going to just drive 10 hours right now back to Austin. It's yeah, just a hypothetical. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. Dope. <laughs> but only after your bike falls over and shatters your face shield so that you don't have a face shield on the way home. <laughs> Right. So maybe that's an example. Maybe you're driving to catch up with friends who have left uh, a day earlier for the trip. Mm. Jose, I, I hate, hate to keep using you as the example here, but um, maybe, uh, no, just maybe you, you're the first leg of your journey is to get to somewhere good. I mean, we're in the middle of Texas. There's a lot of not good around us. 
And if we want to go ride something different, a lot of times we got to haul ass on the uh, the old super slab. So it's called booking it. Booking <laughs> it. Yeah, this is the vernacular of the time. Thank you, sir. Booking it. So you got to book it. Uh, is that? I mean, are you just immediately depressed when you find out you got to book it? Or are you like, no, I enjoy the challenge of some serious some serious seat time. I think just given the style of bikes that I always seem to have, it's always kind of awful. Like they're always <laughs> 400 pound, a little bit hunched over or single cylinder bikes. And they're just not for munching the miles. It's always miserable for sure. Mile muncher. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Are we going to call this episode booking it or mile muncher? We'll, we'll sort that out one day. Mile munching. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was terrible. The, the the bend one, it just becomes like an endurance exercise, and you occupy your mind by doing math calculations on if you go six miles per hour faster for three and a half hours, you'll arrive like seven minutes earlier. <laughs> just try like mentally toughen yourself up, and yeah, and then it just feels like uh, the bike manufacturers really cheap out on the seats. So that always kind of sucks. I think I'm probably not the only one that in these situations have thought, why am I not in a car? This is the worst <laughs> car I've ever driven in the sense that I can't even kick my feet up on the dash or change the radio easily. So I know this is about motorcycles, but also fast food. long distance riding, car versus motorcycle. I'm going car every time. Right, right. So the it, problem is, what is it? Booking it is what you're trying to do. If that's all you care about is booking it. So the question becomes, if you got to get there and you got to get there with your bike, obviously you could trail your bike and then we would make fun of you. No, that's different. Yeah, yeah that's way. Unless it's an off-road bike and then, all right, maybe we'll let you off. But yeah, so, all right, you got to do this chore, right? And, you know, I do know people, like I think David, for instance, like, I think he likes, he doesn't mind like just a good straight haul, just like, just get in the zone, put your, you know, your headphones in and just kind of put on a quality podcast. (laughs) 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 To get through it. Yeah. And there are plenty of those, let us assure you. (laughs) We can make some recommendations. Links in the bio. (laughs) One mile down. But, uh, just. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there are some people I think who can get their heads around it and, and find some joy in it. And for part of me, like just being on the road is a nice sensation. Right? Sure. Just because you're, you're it's, I mean, maybe you're coming back at the end of the trip and that's always a little bit of a bummer. Yes. But generally if you're, if you're on a bike and you're riding, it's not a bad, it's not a bad place to be, even if it is, you know, booking it. I would like to talk about the danger of splitting the difference, which is thinking that you can have more fun by not hitting an interstate and just doubling the amount of time it takes to get out of Texarkana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that actually is a, is a really good point, right? And I think we've, we've sort of experimented with this over the trips over the, over the years, right? It's like there's this idea that like you should never ride a bad road. Always choose a good road. Get on the map, find a good road, tie them together. And then when you start to look at traveling any amount of distance, any, like, let's say it's 
300 miles as the crow flies and you try to string together good roads, that turns into like 580 miles and still like one miles per hour. Right, at 48 miles an hour. And you're like, well, that just doesn't work. It's as the drunk crow flies. <laughs> <laughs> and the crow likes to stay at a La Quinta at the end of it. <laughs> all right, so if we all sort of tentatively agree that at least from our perspective, hooking it is maybe not our favorite activity. I've, I think the way home factor is definitely a big deal because I've had like the start of an adventure. It seems like it's all worth it and you have something in front of you. Yeah. If you're just hitting a highway because you're late for work and you're on a 400cc motorcycle, that can kind of suck. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what do you do to make it better? I think the takeaway from this is just get a good car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trade in the motorcycle for a nice car, and uh, everything will be a lot easier. Yeah. So in conclusion, Above Idol recommends getting a car. Cars idle? Cars idle, too? Yeah, that's, that's right. I, I know when I was driving back that from Ben to Austin, I think it ended up being like 11 or 12 hours straight. And there was definitely times where I'd get on the highway and just cruise for an hour at like 85 miles an hour. And even that was kind of exhausting. But then I would also just get onto the access road because it had a slight turn where there was a flyover or something just to mix it up because droning at 80, 85 miles an hour on a motorcycle for more than you know 80 minutes gets pretty brutally exhausting in its own way. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe talk about the phenomenon of like uh, coming into your body and realizing you've been riding a motorcycle for about 20 minutes and you don't, <laughs> you don't remember any of it? Like, that's, that's pretty scary. That is a really scary mm -hmm. phenomenon. More well, scary I, than when I, that I, happens I, in a car, for sure. Correct. I, I wonder, it's like, if I could actually doze off on a motorcycle. Mm. Like, there's been times where you're tired. It's like, obviously, you can do it in a car. But I kind of wonder if, if the, the fish brain would allow it to actually happen. I came pretty close on that Big Ben trip. Um, when we were coming up to Balmeray and it was just this long, straight, hot stretch and I caught myself almost dozing off and it was one of the scariest uh, experiences. Yeah, it's like that soothing vibration yeah. and then when it's really hot and yeah. All right, and so what do you- For what, listeners outside of Texas, Balmeray is spelled like diarrhea with a B. <laughs> Just if you're, if you're looking to Google it, there's a lovely giant freshwater pool there. Not to derail anything. Balmeria. Balmeria. Which I've also had on a motorcycle. <laughs> That's when you really want to go straight and fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's, let's talk. Let's talk like gear for a minute. What, what do you do? You know you're going to be on a bike for a while. You know you got to do five, eight, whatever it is hours. You got to do a big day, big let's, highway day. Let's talk adult diapers. <laughs> what do you, you go? Depends. Where do you go? No, man. Depends are like old school amateur. Amateur hour. Yeah, the come shorts. on, man. What? What? What's? What's the diaper? Play, play, play some pamper, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're called Big Boy Pampers. It's a new I, brand. I call them. I call them my iron shorts. <laughs> BBP. 
I don't know if any does any gear really help. I mean, does anybody? Uh, no one here has lost their dignity enough to sit on a sheepskin yet, have they? Would that help? So it, it's supposed to help. It's supposed to help. The 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 people that go distance sit on a big sheepskin. But the people who regularly ride distance, like who just do that because they think that's fun, I don't understand these people. The iron butt crowd. Right? I this is hard for me to wrap my head around. There's got to be something to it. I just haven't found it yet. And maybe we just ride the wrong kind of bikes. That's I mean, probably it. That's probably part there of it. There are certain bikes that are just good for that. Right, like cars. Yeah. <laughs> Cars are the best bikes for that. Like the new Honda Civic. <laughs> the best endorsed by the Iron Butt. Uh, no, so I will tell you the one thing that really does help is a windshield. Like, sure. Oh, forget oh. about it. And, and you can put a windshield on any bike. It's going to look dumb. Trust me, it's going to yeah. look dumb. But you're on a highway, so you're already looking dumb. Like, I put uh, a windshield on my SV for the Big Ben trip. And... I mean, the amount of just body impact from the wind on your chest mm -hmm. and your neck, it, it gives you another 20, 30% of yeah. riding before you fatigue, I would I would estimate. I installed a windshield for that trip too, actually. Yeah. But it the does wonders. More that? important than the windshield is a face shield. So you got to go <laughs> hell. Are you, is that attached to some sort of helmet? Or what is the... Could you explain that? Ideally, yes. Yeah, it's oh. less effective when it's just like, Tucked into your Krieger pack. <laughs> <laughs> Jose, have you given the full uh, explanation of this of this uh, story? I don't know. I feel I feel like uh, if the listeners will go back to minute thirty six of episode four, <laughs> I, uh, covered it then. Uh, basi basically, I had to come back to work a day early. The wind had blown over my street triple with my helmet on the handlebar. When it landed on the side, it shattered. Double whammy! Um, and then also, something was wrong with the Triumph to where it wouldn't really start. I just let the engine run for 11 or 12 hours, uh, filled up at the gas station with the engine running. People don't like that. Uh, parked it on the by the front door of uh, a couple of Whataburgers on my way back as I snacked. And just left it running? Just left it running. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you to steal this piece of shit bike. Oh, I mean, I by that time, I, I, I looked like that, like the biker from Raising Arizona, so nobody was going to touch my shit. <laughs> and so you're riding at 85 miles an hour with no face shield. I had some sunglasses, luckily, which was good. Uh, like, the, the amount of bugs that are just, like, surrounding the helmet where the face shield should be was pretty spectacular. There was like dead bees in there that just nearly missed my face. It was uh, brutal and stupid. So guys, guys, long distance riding doesn't have to be this bad. Yeah, I've got some ideas. What? One, face shield. Two, windshield. Uh, three, hydration. Hydration is critical. Oh, One of sure. the main reasons you fatigue. Honestly, though, you have to stop, right? You can't do what you do in a car. You can't go like three hours and not take a break. You got to stop every like, what, 60, 90 minutes and stretch. Like even if it's yeah. just to get off, run around the bike in a circle and get on and go again, you just physically have to. But you got to hydrate, right? And you can either do that by like packing some water with you on the trip so you're not constantly buying. Boring. Or super soaker. <laughs> 
It's also it's the like, way we like to do it is shooting super soakers at each other's mouths while riding. <laughs> Nothing like a good water fight on the road. This uh, is where the small gas tank actually wait, so, helps because it forces you to stop. Should we just oh, yeah. call this section of the podcast common ass sense? Common ass sense. Has anyone uh, I I remember on the Massive road trip. Don't drive backwards. <laughs> uh, you need to drink water or you're going to die. <laughs> Don't try to do it all as a single wheelie. Eat yeah. food at least once every five days. And trust me, forget masturbating on the road. <laughs> we, Actually, we can cut mind. that part out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Uh, I, I brought a camelback with me on my long trip and realized that literally there was no way to insert the hose between the front of the helmet and my mouth so i could i could i used it actually to soak my underclothing at rest stops but not to drink water out of i could i could on the road uh hose myself down a little bit like a real camel <laughs> That's why they call it that. I'm assuming. Exactly. Uh, I, I think we need to make uh, common assets a regular feature. On here. We just we just tell you some real obvious bullshit. <laughs> I, I thought that was all we ever did. It's all stories about Jose losing something on the trip. <laughs> hey, it turns out, guys, yeah. helmets have vases for a reason. <laughs> um, Breaks. Gotta have them. <laughs> no, no, Clay, Clay, took, Clay took a couple of trips with us. <laughs> optional. Breaks optional. Breaks optional. That's ter terrain dependence. All right. Well, all right. So common essence. Yeah, yeah. We're all so fucking clever. But <laughs> I mean, I think all of us have gotten on a bike in the morning. Oh, bright and early, I'm going to go cover these miles. And not done some real basic shit like... Did I check the tire pressure the night before? Because, like, riding on slightly deflated tires around town for 15 minutes, not a big deal. Doing it, like, long haul, like, it's gas mileage. It's just comfort of the road. You know, it's control of your bike, right? Did I, did I pack water? You know, did I gas up the night before? Or do I, like, get myself all psyched in the morning, get on the bike, and then ride, like, 15 minutes, and I'm taking my first break? You know, like, <laughs> you know, so, like, a little bit of pre-planning, I think, is some common ass sense. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe, uh, maybe like the space shuttle disasters, where like a, a tiny vibration on Earth doesn't matter, but when you get out into space and it starts to shimmy, it's gonna things are gonna explode. Yeah, get comfy. So the lesson is: don't ride your motorcycle into space. <laughs> get a car or a spaceship. We told you, Corey, it was dark. We told you. <laughs> uh, I will say, like, the obvious stuff, too. Again, common essence. Ear protection becomes a huge deal. Like, riding, riding for 45 minutes with some wind noise, not a big deal. Riding for eight hours without earplugs or headphones will make you lose your mind completely. Yeah, every, every little bit of comfort that looks cool to not have around town uh, mm -hmm. starts to matter if you're going for five or six right. hours. Don't you feel yes. like that's actually a really good philosophy? It's like, let me get as dorked up as possible. Let me get on the space pants, my riding pants, yep. my riding boot. Like, just 
all the stupid gear that you're like, I'm too cool for that. Like, put that on. Sure. Because mm-hmm. you're like, you're just on the highway. Like, there's no, there's no time to look cool on the highway. You, you don't know anybody in Belmaria. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what would we say is the most humiliating piece of gear that has the most benefit Ooh, besides good, a helmet? Good question. Good question. I don't know. I feel like the space I'm pants. Go with Adrian's space pants. Yeah, Adrian's space <laughs> pants. You know, what are your space pants? I mean, they're they're silver. They're spacey. They got vents. I thought you were places. trying to cut weight for wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen. No, I haven't seen these. I um, mean, pretty much all riding pants that actually vent- yeah. do are well ventilated look ridiculous. Yeah. No, but actually, th- those those rain pants that. Oh. Play half actually are the. <laughs> Did those ones have suspenders? The parachute pants. Yeah, nothing. Like, nothing when, slaps when like rain. The, when you guys put those on, nobody's getting laid for a fifty-mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is just turned off. <laughs> Safety first. Rain gear for sure. Uh, yeah, rain gear terrible. I remember when I first started riding a motorcycle, I really liked the idea of a map pouch that went on your forearm. Oh. And I had a friend shame me for how dorky that was. <laughs> Which we don't need maps anymore, paper maps. But Yeah, uh, and like on your forearm, what are you the quarterback for the Patriots? <laughs> <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> no, he keeps his balls inflated. <laughs> I, I do remember Tires. taking Sorry. Taping writing directions like on the gas tank, though. Yeah, which is I learned just slightly less dorky than the forearm somehow. <laughs> There's a lot of rules about what's cool in motorcycle. Can we? Yeah. Can what we? About, maybe, what about the fluorescent vest? The safety vest. That is definitely. Um, that doesn't help me. <laughs> it it's it is safe, but it is dorky as hell. Uh, high high vis. Yeah. I Unless the safety vest is the only thing you're wearing. <laughs> then it's the it ma- might... manliest thing on earth. Let, let's, make a, let's make a cut that is just really a safety vest. <laughs> yeah. That's, you go first. That's, I feel we're going to be such an intimidating motorcycle gang in our safety vests. You know, everybody also looks goofy in a flip-up helmet. Like, you flip it up, your cheeks are getting pushed together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. You look, like from inside the helmet, you feel like you look like a badass cop, but from outside the helmet, you just look like a baby face, uh, like yeah. goofball. You look like Norman Schwarzkopf's younger brother <laughs> that never made it in the army. Yeah, you all know what that looks like. Google well, it. You, like, look, <laughs> you look like a butt cheek with a mustache. <laughs> I will say though that is like one of the most functional pieces of gear. Amazing! Like, Never given it up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Just call me baby face. Never mind. Uh, all right. Well, clearly, no matter, no matter how many call, how many people call me butstachio. <laughs> that's that's when you just put the lollipop in your mouth and flip the lid down and ride. You know, fuck those guys. But Stachio, he can ride for days. Uh, well, I I feel we've given 
all of the advice we can give, which is clearly worth absolutely nothing. But as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate the feedback. Definitely been getting a bunch of folks catching up on old episodes, going through the uh, the surveys and, and leaving their feedback. So maybe in the next episode or, or in an upcoming episode, we can kind of uh, look back on some of the questions we've thrown out to the crowd and do a little recap on the feedback that we got back. So I definitely appreciate everyone taking the time to go fill those out. If you haven't, go do it, and we'll do a little recap episode on that. And if there's a magazine, a book, some printed piece of, of uh, motorcycle culture that you, you love and hold near and dear, please share it with us. I'm always looking to spend my money in poor, poor and ill-advised ways. Uh, so it'll help fill up your apartment. Yeah, and if you need a place to put your cats, <laughs> nothing, nothing better than print. <laughs> Is that it? We do it? That's it. Also, a quick shout out to Me Undies, the most comfortable. I'm just kidding. I don't. We, there's no sponsors, right? <laughs> no. Thanks for rubbing it in. There are no sponsors. Zero sponsors. We want to give a big thanks to Porsche USA. <laughs> and depends. Yeah, Honda America. If you need to get somewhere long distance on a motorcycle, seriously, get a car. Do it in a Civic. <laughs> All right. Just cut the shit and get a car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On that note, we're out. <laughs> we out. See you next time.